Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How's the Pressure? I am your host, Haley Winter, and today we will be finishing up our conversation on headaches and migraines. Let me introduce our second set of panelists who will give their perspective on this condition. First up, we have Joe Muscolino, a soft tissue-oriented chiropractor who has been in the health and wellness field for decades. He has experience teaching massage therapists in the academic setting, and he currently has an impressive library of bodywork-centered videos that are a valuable resource for health and wellness practitioners. You can find a link to those videos on the How's the Pressure website. Our second guest is Irene Lyon, a nervous system expert who will be drawing on her experience in Feldenkrais and somatic experiencing to address this condition through the lens of trauma. Our third guest will be James Earls, who will be focusing on this condition from a movement perspective, specifically how we can include long chain movements and look at the body with a more holistic and whole body approach. Our fourth guest will be Robin Scher, who will help us look at the subject from the craniosacral point of view. And our fifth and final guest is Marjorie Brook, who will be helping us understand how scar tissue plays a role in this condition. All of my guests today have had decades of experience in the field and are teachers and educators in their specific field of speciality. As usual, there are going to be a lot of different opinions and perspectives that will be shared over the course of this and other upcoming episodes. I want to be clear that I'm not trying to put on one opinion over another. I believe it is my job to simply bring in experienced people and ask them good questions. We have a lot to get to, so I'll give you the second panel on headaches and migraines. All right, now we're going to go ahead and turn to Joe Muscolino to bring a soft tissue-oriented chiropractic perspective to this conversation. Hi, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Hi there, Haley. Thank you very much for having me back here. It's my pleasure. So talk to me about headaches and migraines. Another multi-condition put into one that could separate us out here. So let's just say that a migraine is a type of headache. And it's not just a severe headache. It's specifically a vascular headache that usually occurs because of some trigger that that person is kind of hypervigilant to, overly sensitive to, in a sense allergic to, in a way, but instead of causing sneezing or itching on their skin, it triggers a, a vasoconstriction of blood vessels into the brain, and then because the brain senses, nervous system senses you're not getting blood, you get a reverse hyperemia where a vasodilation, then it presses on the meninges and nerves nearby, and then it causes the tremendous pain. And usually in the constriction, they get a prodrome and then a prodromal like uh, black, you know, tunnel vision or some type of aura sensation, and then they get the actual migraine itself. So I guess I'm going to say for a migraine, when someone has a migraine, it's full blown in a migraine, and it's, it's usually severe in intensity. Um, very often, the best you can do if they happen to be at your office for that is to have the room darkened, very quiet, very, very gentle massage to the area. I'm talking extremely gentle, um, not even candles burning or incense, anything that could trigger, you know, olfactory triggers, etc. And see if you can calm them down with that. I have had patients who have histories of migraines. I remember once a patient called me. She knew she was getting the migraine. The prodromal phase had begun. And she wanted to get into me before the migraine became full-blown because she knew she had like 20, 25 minutes or so before it was really going to kick in. 
and she would, you know, she lived close by and I was open at that time and she came over and I tried to address some of the musculoskeletal issues that could trigger the migraine. I knew triggered the migraine for her. So let's just make this point. What can trigger a migraine? It could be too much sunlight. It could be too much stress. It could be some dietary thing like eating chocolate or, or caffeine or shellfish or whatever. And it could be, it could be tight myofascial tissue in the in the neck area. That's pretty common. Then the posterior cervical cranial, you know, neck, head, extensor musculature. You know, the, the upper trap, splenius capitis, splenius surfaces, semispinalis capitis, levius capitis, all those muscles in the back of the neck. And in her case, I knew that that was a trigger area for her. So I tried to do medium work, light to medium work to try and kind of calm that down before the migraine could get the chance to really go full blown. And I remember once it worked and I remember once it didn't work and it didn't forestall the migraine from occurring. And I remember that she had to get up and go into the bathroom and I heard her vomiting in the bathroom, in my waiting room area. I mean, you know, migraines very often involve nausea. So I guess my point is when someone has a migraine at that moment, you have to work unbelievably gently if they happen to be there. If they can get into you when they think it's coming on, but before it comes on, that's a very narrow window. Maybe you can do something. The odds are probably not. So then I'd say, well, what generally do you do for someone who says, I have a history of migraines? Well, try and figure out what the trigger is. Now, I'm not trying to become their nutritionist, dietitian, or whatever, but if you can suss out um, that their cause is musculoskeletal and not the other things, or that's one of the triggers, or maybe they don't even know that's a trigger, but you do your physical exam and find out that they've got tremendously tight, restricted neck musculature. They have restricted joints in that area, and you can do moist heat, massage, stretching, if you're legally and ethically allowed to do grade four, slow oscillation, joint mobilization. And these are all techniques I love to teach in my clinical orthopedic manual therapy workshops all around the country and the world. When you can put those techniques together and you can really combine them, weave them into kind of a beautiful tapestry of a treatment session, and you can loosen the myofascial tissue outside the joint, you can loosen the joints, you can do all that together then it might be that some of that is the trigger mechanism or one of the triggers for them. Okay, that's migraine. The most common type of headache by far is a tension headache. And a tension headache is understood quite clearly to be due to tension, pulling force on the scalp, on the head, from the posterior cervical cranial extensor musculature, the extensors in the back of the neck. And what you need to do there is you need to do whatever you need to do to loosen that musculature. If it comes down to just simply doing massage, great. Moist heat and massage, even greater. Moist heat massage and stretching. Stretching the neck really helps to, stretching any area after you've loosened it really helps to reset the muscle memory, gamma motor system, muscle spindle tone of what makes muscles tight. And then if part of the reason is that joints are locked up and you can do joint mobilization, that should be done. If some of the reason is that, here, one of my favorite things when people have a tight neck, very often I like to say to them when they come in, if you want your neck to feel better today, I'll work your neck today. 
if you want your neck to feel better in six months, I need to work your thoracic spine. Because if someone has that hyperkyphotic, rounded, upper-crossed syndrome, their thoracic spine is rounded way forward. If you look at the superior surface of T1, it is no longer anywhere near horizontal. It's becoming vertical, which means that your cervical spine is now projecting way out into the air, which means that there's no way that the center of weight of your head is going to be balanced over your trunk, your thorax. It's going to be out in the air over thin air, and it should fall. Your head and neck should fall into flexion. Your chin should collapse down toward your chest into flexion. And if it's not there must be a force of extension stopping it. Who's doing the force of extension? Well, it's either going to be active contraction of musculature or passive, or you could argue active contraction of fascia, but it's most likely going to be active contraction of the musculature and back. And that means you can loosen someone's neck to relieve their tension headaches over and over and over and over. And if the ultimate cause is a thoracic spine that's hyperkyphotic, they will just simply coming back keep coming back to you saying, yeah, it was better for a little while, but it came back. Or actually, worst case or worst scenario, at some point they'll call you up and they say, well, you know, you always make me feel better temporarily, but you don't really get rid of the problem, the cause of the problem. I'm going to go to someone, I'm going to try and find someone who does. So again, you must put the fire out right now with working what's tight in the neck, causing the tension headache. And then you need to look at why that tight musculature is occurring. And let me add one more quick little thing. On Digital Comp, my video streaming subscription service, I have these series of do's and don'ts. They're my pet peeves, my pet peeves. Other people could argue about how important they really are, but they're my pet peeves for massage therapy. And one of them is don't shampoo my hair. I get, a, I get a massage therapist, I'm traveling somewhere, I don't know them, I go in, and maybe they do a great massage everywhere else in my body. Then they get to my head, and they start doing this shampoo kind of stroke. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing? I already shampooed my hair this morning. There's musculature in the scalp. There's occipitalis attaching by galea aponeurotica into frontalis. You have the auricularis muscles, the temporal parietalis. But even if I just look at that occipitalis to frontalis, if you watch someone who's getting a headache, you will see them very often massage their own forehead area. And you see, they're not shampooing, buffing across their forehead. They are rubbing hard on that frontalis area because they can feel that tension in that tissue there. There's musculature in the scalp. Do not lessen, use appropriate pressure. Appropriate pressure doesn't mean go lighter. It doesn't mean go stronger. It means go lighter or stronger based on what the person needs there. Assess the tone. That's my little little take home. I'm sure everyone else will cover tension headaches very well from an orthopedic massage perspective. My take home that maybe is not going to be said elsewhere is please palpate and assess the occipitalis, gallia aponeurotica, frontalis, and work it with pressure that's appropriate. All right. Thank you so much for giving your thoughts on this condition. Uh, if you listeners are interested in learning more about Joe's work and perspective, you can find him at learnmuscles.com. And if you go to How's the Pressure website, you'll find a link for a free month to his video subscription service, 
and you'll get access to over a thousand continuing education video lessons for manual therapists like you. So thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Kelly. My pleasure. All right, so now we're going to turn to Irene Lyon, who's a nervous system expert, and she's going to provide us some context for how trauma plays into this condition. Thanks for joining us, Irene. Hey there, Haley. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about headaches and migraines. Sure. Um, so in the world of SC, somatic experiencing and trauma, there are these things that we call syndromes, syndromal representation. And I actually referred to this when we talked about the fibroid fibromyalgia question, but quick review, we have sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. This is part of the autonomic nervous system. And sympathetic is like, is like the go it's the heart rate up, blood pressure up, move the blood, mobilize, get the heck out of here. Or I'm about to exercise. So I've got to get my body going. Um, I'm in more sympathetic right now as I talk to you, Haley, and I use my hands and I gesture. Um, and then there's the parasympathetic, which is the the more slowing down portion of the nervous system. It's what can allow us to, there's two things, um, socially engage and see each other and be connected. And then there's also the deep slowing down of rest, digest, which is what we want to be in. Let's say when we go to sleep at night, we want to go into this nice rest, digest. It's called low tone dorsal of the vagus nerve. That is good flow through the system. And it, it basically replenishes and recuperates the body, repairs the body. The other portion of the vagus that's the, the slowing down of the parasympathetic is called the dorsal, high tone dorsal. And that's like, like, that's like low blood pressure. Everything slows down. It's like the best I can describe. It's like slow motion talking, like very just sluggish and slow we could even say depressed right depression is actually someone who has real biological depression will be living more in this high tone dorsal of the parasympathetic vagus nerve so when we think of chronic i'm going to say chronic headaches and migraines because i can get a headache maybe when i have my menstrual cycle or if i've been too brainy one day and i'm not in my body enough but it isn't debilitating right? Then there's a type of migraines and headaches that come in when there's just the tiniest bit of stress or they just show up for no reason. When that occurs, they become what we consider syndromal. And this syndrome is a symptom of this dysregulation between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And what's essentially happening is the, the sympathetic is on if you imagine a, a, like an XY graph, you know, Y and X, Y is the, the vertical, X is the horizontal. You have sympathetic going up like a linear kind of curve up to the right. So that's on. When sympathetic is on, we want parasympathetic to kind of come in to bring us down. But what occurs when we've had a lot of trauma in our past, a lot of early trauma, a lot of fear, a lot of unsafety, is the system becomes, the word is dysregulated. And rather than there being this nice up and then down, everything just stays up. But when the parasympathetic stays up, that means that there's this strong break, this strong shutdown. But under that break and under that shutdown is high, like revving, sympathetic, I gotta go, I gotta fight. So it's like this um, 
conjuring up of muscle and energy and okay, we got to go, we got to go, but then not allowing that steam to come off. It stays stuck inside. And then what keeps it stuck inside is this strong parasympathetic high tone dorsal break. When a system lives in that, in that situational nervous system tension, it creates tension. It creates these tension headaches, these migraines. The thing with the migraine, it's a little, to me, it's a bit more special in that um, a person, when we start to work with them, and this is something I've worked with with clients, you have to slow down their personal bodily experience enough so that you can find out when does the first hint of that person storing the sympathetic start. So let's say a person wakes up in the morning, they feel okay, but they choose to not do something that's good for them. Like they rush through their morning and then maybe they drop their kids off at school and they had to say something to their, to their child that was important, but they held it in because they didn't want to upset the kid. You know, maybe they didn't set a boundary when they should have. And then maybe they're driving and someone cuts them off in traffic. And rather than expressing frustration, like, gosh, you know, and getting it out, they hold it in. And then towards the end of the day, four o'clock, they're starting to realize that they feel a bit wonky. And then maybe they start getting, you know, a little that glassy look that happens in the eyes with migraines, then the ears start to ring, and then all of a sudden full-blown migraine headache. And usually when you trace this, it starts like early in the day, but when there's a disconnection to these somatic markers, these signs of how that person is clamping down and not releasing the energy, um, that's what then blows out into this sort of intense migraine headache. And so one of the ways to work with this, to work with this from a somatic trauma-based perspective is you work sure with the headache, but you wanna work with what leads up to that, right? Um, what is happening before it blows up? And that's how you start to, it's kind of like um, in some ways, um, dismantling a bomb, right? Like once the bomb goes off, it's too late. You have to, you just don't want the bomb to be there in the first place. And so you've got to find all these little hints and it requires the person to really pause in their day. They can't rush in the same way so that they can start to kind of rewire those patterns. That makes sense. It does. It also sounds like a, a big portion of this is the education of the client. Yeah. So you're educating them about uh, how they can examine their personal experience as they move through the day for signifiers or fuses, if you will, if you want to continue that bomb analogy, uh, that they can pick yeah. up on. Totally. You're, you got it. It's very, um, it can really shift when you, you have the education and then the person has to, you know, the client has to buy in. They have to, you know, be interested in understanding that this isn't just, um, a, it's it's not something that, has to stay but for in order for it to shift you then have to shift how you live you know it just happens that that's what you get you get this this byproduct of not paying attention to the little signals beforehand yeah All right. thank you so much irene you're welcome so that was irene lyon you can find out more about her and her work at her website which is irenelyon.com
So now I'm going to bring in James Earls, who will give us his thoughts from the perspective of a massage therapist with a focus on combining movement and manual therapy. Welcome, James. Hi, Haley. Well, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you very much for the invitation. All right, let's talk about headaches and migraines. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, I think recently there's been so much great work, um, especially Till Leukar, um, has come up with, with a few interesting articles on kind of differential diagnosis, different types of, of migraines and, and headaches and how to, to tell the difference uh, between the two. Um, I haven't delved that, that far into the, the literature, certainly it's not as, not as much as he has. Um, my approach would be um, I want to study and well, to, to um, investigate, bring out, expose all of the, the trigger points that may be involved. So going through all of the, kind of the, the, the most common culprits, so looking at trapezius, levator scapula, and especially in around the, the suboccipitals. So easing those. Um, you know, so I don't know if I have anything much more to, to add than many of your other uh, presenters, other than also always going back to the why are they there. So if there are trigger points that are in the, the suboccipitals, if in the posterior neck muscles, if even in around the jaw, what, what influence might the rest of the structure be having um, on, the, on the positioning of the head? So you know, is there anterior head position? Are the shoulders not supported by the rib cage? If they, if it's not, why not? Is that going down to the pelvis? Can we get the pelvis underneath the, the thorax a little bit more? Can we get the thorax into position that will help take some of the, the pressure off the, the shoulder muscles? And hopefully, if we get the rib cage in better position, can we get the head on top? Um, so it's taking that that kind of tune right the way down through the rest of the system. Um, if there's repeated um, or repeated headaches and migraines um, then also just you know, looking for the triggers and making appropriate uh, referrals to have all of those checked up but if they have been checked up then then we need to take a, a wider view um, it's, you know, it's, there's no point in just going back to the same old trigger points every time it's like there's a reason why they're coming back there's a reason why the, the muscle spasms and um, tensions are, are still there um, so you know, the Maybe it's not just structural, but it can be habitual. So investigating all of their again environmental habits. How do they drive? How do they type? What what are they doing with their phone? You know, going through all of that, and then making any kind of suggestions that may be appropriate within scope of practice. Um, and you know, in terms of even the, the pelvis, I can be going right down to the foot. And you know, is there an, an imbalance? Is one foot more uh, supinated type, the other more of a pronated type? That can cause the rotation into the pelvis that causes um, and you know, just leads um, into a kind of chain right up through the, the, the spine and the thorax and give, just lessen some of that support that, that should be there. So it's just for me, just taking that, that wider view and going, okay, so where, where else do I need to look? Where do I need to investigate? Because um, you know, checking through the trigger points around the, the, the head and neck shouldn't take too long. In terms of a, an overall session, and um, so hopefully you should have plenty of scope for for other for time to look in other areas to to investigate them and help rebalance them. So when you say that you have to perhaps check the activities and the habits that they that they mm-hmm. incur in those activities, like driving a car, does that mean that you actually yeah. get in the car with them and they drive in you an around? ideal? Yep, in an ideal world, I you know I'm. 
can't remember the last time I got into a car with a client, but um, certainly I'm you know, watching them walk, watching them sit, watching them. Um, you know, I have runners or cyclists. I, you know, I, I ask them to, to bring the bike or bring the running shoes. I watch them get onto the bike. I watch them um, when they're, they're running. So making it making the assessment as, as specific to, to their habits, their hobbies, their, their sports. I need to see what they actually do when they're doing it not just to kind of hear their reports because you know, it's not reliable and, and they, they don't have, you know, none of us have the the, the the interception to be able to, to fully report um, our habits. You know, we can think that we've had our, we've had our you know, road bike perfectly adjusted for us and we're, you know, we're getting on there and, and looking like some Olympic athlete. And the reality, unfortunately, for most of us is not that, um, you know, we all have a slight habit um, with their neck, with their head, with their shoulders, and um, the way that our back will, and spine will react or respond to the to the to the seat to handlebar ratio, all of those things. So yes, I I want to see the client in their environment as much as is appropriate, possible, feasible, and and also affordable. Sometimes it can just take a little bit of time, and how you negotiate that with a client can also be interesting. You know, so you know. Can I can I go and see you um, cycling? Can I go and see you running or competing? Can I go to your workplace and you know actually see your 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 setup? Um, you know, if it's if it's getting to that stage where you know, there's no no breakthrough, if they're coming back and reporting the same symptoms, then it's like, well, I need to I need to understand what that's actually happening in, in your environment. You know, so yeah, I'm not going to go to home and go to bed with them, and, and not in any inappropriate sense. You know, I. But you know, you know, how do they sleep? Um, what sleeping position are they in? What pillow do they have? You know, there are so many things that need to be considered. Hmm. And I'm wondering if you have any anecdotal story of working with someone with a headache and the trigger points, and end up finding an interesting pattern uh, that comes from either one of their activities or uh, some sort of postural. A habit that has that has developed or pattern that has developed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, probably was why I went to the the cycling um, story that was it was in my my mind uh, just a couple of months ago. Um, a client, um, partly a client of mine, and a client of my, my wife also teaches Pilates, so she was seeing him, and he was reporting uh, repeated shoulder tension, and it didn't matter what what she did uh, for him. And he was like, oh, okay. so after the um, platy session, he was getting relief, temporary relief of the shoulder um, tension, but also no- then noticing that his headaches were fewer, but they would come on again over the weekend. And so the thing that he did over the weekend was going cycling. So uh, we got him to bring his bike in and, and you know, both watched and, and just filmed him um, just going for a, a short cycle. And that a lot of it came down to lack of thoracic extension because he couldn't extend his thoracics when he got onto the bike. All of the extension in the bike position was happening um, kind of way between C3 and the occiput. And that was putting a lot of compression into the suboccipitals. And um, he was also holding his shoulders in, posi- in a certain positions, kind of. They, because the thoracics um, weren't adapting, the upper ribs were actually quite low 
in the in the biking position so the shoulders were relatively high so there's more tension through the whole shoulder complex and compression into the back of the neck so you know it's a it's an example of you know, it's not until you see the the client in their in their habit in their hobby in their sport that you can you can start putting all of this picture together awesome thank you so much james no problem pleasure so if you want to learn more about james and his work you can find out at www.borntowalk.com. Now we're going to bring in Robin Scher, who's going to talk to us from the perspective of cranial sacral therapy. Thanks for joining us, Robin. Glad to be here, Haley. So tell me about working with headaches and migraines. Well, that's a big part of my practice. People hear craniosacral therapy, and if they have some Latin or some anatomical knowledge, they think, ooh, head. Yeah, I got head stuff. I'm coming in. And there are a lot of case studies about people both with headaches and migraines or combinations of the two, because people can have both, right, uh, who get, get a lot of relief from craniosacral therapy, both seeing practitioners, but also doing some self-care at home. So... Uh, You'd think that having this be a big portion of my practice, that I would be able to group my p client population into clusters of like, oh, this comes from there, and I do this, and this comes from over there, and I do that, and oh, yeah, this is totally vascular, so I, I do these special techniques. Uh, it's not so, right? Every person, of course, with all of us, every person who's on our table is a unique and special unicorn creature, right, who needs to be treated with... Uh, with all of our knowledge in the back, kind of like a magic cloak, but right, but with an open mind and fresh hands. It's equally so with folks who come in with head pain of some sort, no matter what their diagnosis is and no matter what medications they're on. Um, the sources, it, with craniosacral therapy, we're, we're looking to find the source of whatever is going on. That doesn't mean you know, A is causing B, but in a simplistic case, let's say you broke an ankle and that created compensatory movement patterns, which then created a bit of a shift in your hips, which then created a compensatory shift in your shoulders, which means that you hold one shoulder higher than the other, which then, you know, created tension in uh, your SCM and in your splenius capitis. And you've got unremitted you know, unrelenting pain from that. Okay, if I treat the top of your neck, you know, heading up over the top of your head, I might get the pain to go down a little bit or I might find the pain, right? I might find a spot and people say, ah, oh, yeah, you got it. Uh, but I haven't found the source. We might need to go back to that ankle. And if I'm skilled enough and a good fit enough and my client is able to be with me and we're tracking sensation together, I might spend the entire session, several sessions at that ankle, helping that ankle move better, noticing how the rest of the body responds to that and then, then it's magic and the headaches are gone. That's a simple case and I have lots and lots of those and they're super duper gratifying. And then there are uh, 
So that would be muscular tension due to poorly supported movement from an injury. Uh, their, their movement habits, there's emotional trauma, there are injuries to the dura, there are weaknesses in vascular walls, all sorts of causes of pain in the head. There's a you know, residual pain from dental work done 20 years ago. There could be an abscess and a tooth. My job in craniosacral therapy is not to think, aha, headache, let's go to the craniosacral system or let's go to the head or, or even let's go to the tailbone because it's so connected to the head. It really is to do a full body evaluation, find the, the stressors on the body that are available to be worked with today. Ideally, I'm listening to how this person is presenting today. And what presents today may have nothing to do with the headaches or the migraines, but it may be something that that body is willing to correct with me, which takes some piece of the load off this body. I think you'd agree with me. Bodies generally vie for homeostasis. Bodies do not want to feel bad. They want to feel better. They're always trying to work well. If I can assist in one piece that this body presents me with, then perhaps the body has the resources to work on this issue on their own. That said, I see people who have headaches, and I tend to be working on those symptoms, and oftentimes they are in the head, in the spine, in the craniosacral system, and so the techniques I know work well. Do you find a a difference between working with people with headaches and people with migraines in terms of when you say there's this quote unquote this the the simple solution for uh, that you gave the example that you gave about the ankle to to a headache uh, do you find that there's like a different type of simple solution that tends to happen with migraines as opposed to like a tension headache same simple solution Ideally, right, if I'm perfect, I find the source and we help correct it together. And then, you know, zamboom. Um, zamboom doesn't usually happen, but, <laughs> but when it does, it's fun. I think it's simply having a familiarity with how different tissues in the body feel to me so I can palpate with precision. That's helpful. Right, so I gave a sort of an orthopedic example, right? That would be, I hope, useful for folks of just about any massage training level. And then there's being able to palpate the arteries in the head. You know, that's a more advanced training, right? So, it, you know, that would be for someone with, with training similar to mine. Mm -hmm. Same process. What's going on here? How can I help? How can I support the body move toward greater movement and ease? Just a different level of palpation and perhaps even a different, um, mm, I don't want to necessarily say finer, but, but um, on a level from more gross to more subtle, more subtle palpation. All right. Thank you, Robin. Thanks a lot, Haley. That was Robin Share. And you can learn more about her through her website at livinginthebody.net. And if you want to learn more about craniosacral therapy in general or its trainings, you can visit upledger.com. So now I'm going to bring in Marjorie Brook, who will give us her thoughts as an expert in scar tissue. 
Welcome, Marjorie. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about headaches and migraines. Ooh, there's a really broad uh, topic. Let's narrow it down a little bit. Let's start with uh, post-traumatic headaches. Okay, this is a type of headache that's associated with head trauma and can arise months or even years after the original injury. Okay, this is we're talking whether it's playing sports and you got a concussion, uh, you were in a car accident and you banged your head, uh, you were getting up from something under the sink and you misjudged and slammed your head on the cabinet door as you were getting up. Okay, the pain occurs when the formation of scar tissue, usually at the site of the head trauma, renders the nerve cell fibers uh, there unable to transmit information in a normal fashion. Like you're actually damaging the communication system as this, uh, from the injury. Okay. Um, uh, and these, it can lead to migraine headaches, which can leave uh, tell, uh, telltale scars uh, in the brain. Um, at that point of to cell death and most possibly lack of blood, uh, which is what a lot of the research is showing. Like basically you get uh, with traumatic uh, head injuries, you can get dead spots in the brain, which can then give you headaches. Those dead spots tend to be scar tissue built up. Now, obviously because it's in the brain, we really can't get in there and manually manipulate them. There are some therapies when it's more of a brain injury and there's scar tissue, um, there's proprioception and um, um, uh, uh, exercises. There's even like the mirror ex exercises um, and retraining the brain to, to use a different area uh, for whatever area is where you're getting the headache. We have to see what is that area responsible for and maybe the headaches are coming on because you're trying to perform the action that that part of your brain controls. So we want to retrain the brain to kind of pull away from that area and not use it as much. Sometimes there's not anything you can do because the damage is so bad. It's very important when you hit your head. A lot of people don't pay attention. It doesn't. It could be just one of those really good big goose eggs and you put an ice back on it and you forget about it and then you don't do any therapy in the area. You know, if it's deep enough to do a concussion on the brain and make the brain swell over, there's not much you can do. But in regard to the tissue surrounding, there in itself could also, of the injury, can be causing the headache because it's restricted now, it's pulling, and it's, it's not functioning and moving the way it's designed to move, causing a lot of tension either around the skull or into the neck, which is then causing a headache. There we can get in. That's where something we can do. That's with uh, mobilizing the head, uh, lengthening the fascia, working the area to make sure that there's no scar tissue or adhesions, flushing any inflammation that has uh, come into it. But if you're looking at something, say, just a tension migraine, that's coming from somewhere else in the you know, pull, much pull in the neck or stress. Um, that also, believe it or not, is, is pro can lead to scar tissue in the area that's causing the pull. It may be, so we wanna stretch. And if the stretching is not working and the chiropractic adjustments aren't working, take a step back and think, well, maybe there was an injury or repetitive stress and there's been some scar tissue buildup or some adhesion buildup uh, is their posture, they forward head posture. So now it's laid, the fascia's laid down all that extra adhesions to, to keep you from falling forward. Think about remobilizing that, releasing that tissue, that scar tissue, and then once again, body mechanics and range of motion exercises to reset that we're in alignment. Um, the other thing also is if the migraines, if they're saying the migraines are coming on, especially with the ores and everything else, what happened at that moment? What were they thinking? What were they doing? 
Uh, was there a specific action that triggered it? Was it a thought, you know, a stress situation which caused the muscles and like the traps to tighten up, right? Or if they're big jaw clenchers, jaws are very much ignored. Believe it or not, you can stretch the jaw. There's like six, seven stretches you can do to open up the jaw, release scar tissue. Many people clench down, which then triggers the stress in the neck and causes the headache. So we kind of try to figure out like, hey, researchers or investigators and find out what triggered the migraine. Um, Because there is a trigger. It could just be that it's light triggering it and they're light sensitive. And all honesty, my answer to that is when's the last time they exercise their eyes? Right? Um, Many people do not know. (laughs) Most people don't exercise their eyes. And many people who wear glasses never use their eyes. Very limited. They turn their head to stay within the small frames. Right? It's not like back in the old days with Elton John, you know, where they were huge. Mine were blue and tinted all the way down. (laughs) Um, now everything's nice and tiny and small. And we, we, in order not to go in and out of the frames, we don't use our eyes. So we move our head, which then limits and causes all this restriction as well. Um, so there's always some part of the body that's usually involved and not functioning properly when we have a migraine, you know, again, there's other things too. It could be nutrition. Uh, it could be, but there's always some form of uh, multiple triggers that set off a cascade that end up in the migraine. And we just have to figure out what areas need to be worked and released. And then if the, it could, could end up that the migraine's coming down from their feet because <laughs> they've just, the way they're walking, the way they're moving, and then they're getting mad because it's causing this and then the headaches come on. We have to just investigate. But you know, as far as um, anything from a brain injury or anything with that, a lot of times your best bet is to get a hold of their, their OT, their occupational therapist or their physical therapist and work hand in hand and see if they're doing the proper exercises to reset the brain because it does get ignored many times. You're just like, oh, since I've had the accident, I can't, you know, I see things or I can't read properly or I get tired right away and the headaches come on. Well, then we're into we need to retrain brain, eyes and the area of how the body's functioning. All right. Thank you so much, Marjorie. My pleasure. If you want to learn more about Marjorie and her work, you can learn more at MarjorieBrookSeminars.com. So Brooke was our last guest of the day, but before I let you go, I wanted to share with you a few thoughts I had about the episode. Uh, This time, I don't have as many as I I have in the past, um, but I wanted to share with you the the two thoughts that I did. Uh, The first is that uh, I noticed the theme that kept coming up in this episode as well as the first episode on headaches and migraines, and that is the difference in approach towards clients who have migraines versus clients who have tension headaches. Uh, For most of them, addressing migraines is mostly about doing it with a great deal of compassion and a focus on making the client feel comfortable. Uh, That seems to be a best practice. Now, while tension headaches seem to have a much wider range of treatment options, And each option tends to be specific to the modalities and expertise of the practitioner. Uh, For instance, Joe Muscolino is a a soft tissue-oriented chiropractor who has a decidedly orthopedic lens through which he views these conditions and therefore an analytical musculoskeletal approach for how he treats tension headaches. Uh, James Earls would look up and down the kinetic chains as well as observe some of the client's physical movements and activities, while Robin Scher would do a full-body check-in and find the stresses on the body that are available to be worked on during that particular session. So it really does depend on who you are as a practitioner uh, when it comes to dealing with the tension headaches specifically. Uh, Now, migraines, uh, they just tend to be more ephemeral 
than tension headaches and in terms of what trigger it. And to this point, I thought it was really important what Irene Lyons said about tracing the nervous system response to the pinpoint possible tar triggers and also enrolling the clients themselves and how to help identify those patterns and ultimately create a plan to intervene so that we can get ahead of those those migraines as opposed to always playing catch up and trying to solve it or make them feel better or be in a, a palliative care state. So I think those are the two, the two things that really came out to me. Again, I hope you really enjoyed this episode and I look forward to being back in two weeks. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. A big thank you to all of my experienced and esteemed panelists. I continue to be honored that they let me poke and prod their minds on these subjects. It wouldn't be possible without them. Please do rate us on iTunes or through whichever podcast app that you listen to us. And feel free to visit us on Facebook and suggest new topics for me to cover in future episodes. Until then, be well. Be well.